You're listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. It's good to be here with you. It's good to have you. <laughs> we're doing two episodes in one week. Wow, we're overachieving. We just want to make sure we have some episodes to release. <laughs> so that all of um, the people who have been giving us so much heat for not being on air for about a month can have some content. Yeah, let's keep it consistent. <laughs> Uh, first things first, we right. release new merch. It is out now. You can get it now. Battlereadypodcast.com. The merch is there. There's hats. There's a crew neck. There's shorts. There's t-shirts. Go and enjoy the show. I actually really love the merch. I do too. I'm wearing the shorts right now. I've been wearing them nonstop. nonstop. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. That was weird. Yeah. Okay. I have a couple questions. All right. Here we go. I got a couple questions. I think we've been here. <laughs> <laughs> All this talk of recession, not recession, inflation, not inflation, politics, sure. not politics. It's just, it creates a weird world. It does. So, how in a weird world can we keep our head clear and focused? Mm. and not distracted by the nonsense that's going on in the world. It's interesting. I just saw a survey that said the number one issue that people feel they're dealing with is focus. That was number one. Number two was mental health. Interesting. But number one was focus and ability to focus, a lack of focus. And I certainly understand that, especially when I'm writing a book, which I am right now. Um, I don't find writing as hard as focus. To write is um, something that comes easily once I actually have focus. And uh, it's so easy. There's a lot of things that actually like war at focus, like distraction. And you can just get distracted by all the meaningless things around you. So you have to really begin to say no. A huge part of, the, of being able to get focus is learning how to say no to everything else around you. Hmm. and say yes to things that matters most. most. And I think when you're asking how do you deal with all that's happening in our culture and what's happening with inflation and recession and everything else, and how do you get clarity and how do you get focus in it, you have to decide um, to not focus on everything outside of your control hmm. and to focus on the things that are inside of your control. And the reason you'll feel overwhelmed or people are going to really struggle with anxiety and, and um and stress in this time is because they're going to overfocus on what they can't control. You cannot control gas prices right now. You cannot control inflation. You cannot control the economic volatility that's all around you. You have no control over that. Hmm. And uh, I mean, that might be true all the way to the White House, <laughs> you know. Hmm. And and so you have to focus on what you do have control over. Ask yourself what are the things that matter to you the most, and what are the steps you can take to making those things happen. Okay. Are there any internal disciplines that you have that you set up for yourself on how to focus, how to stay focused? Yeah, it, the first one's kind of counterintuitive. When I start, I let myself be unfocused. Okay. I just, I, I when and like I go to the back house when I'm writing a book and I go at first, I'm just gonna accept the fact that um, distraction is going to be my first phase mm -hmm. <laughs> that I have to kind of like work my way through those distractions and work my way uh, to the intention of what I'm doing. And uh, so I put myself in a place where I have a memory of, of achieving, of succeeding, of focusing. So I sort of, I write from 
same places or similar places along the way. Mm-hmm. And, and so I create a space where I know when I go to this space, I start blocking out the rest of the world and I start really honing in. Hmm. And I do think you need to create certain patterns in your life where you go, okay, uh, when I do this, I'm better. It's sort of like when you're watching a, a basketball player go through his ritual before he shoots a free throw. And does the ritual really help him with the free throw? No, but the ritual helps him with his focus and his focus helps him with his free throw. So you need to create some rituals in your life that allow you to establish patterns for success. Hmm. It was interesting. I haven't done any announcements or like giving offerings or anything on platform at Mosaic in well over two years. It's been a long time since you've been on the platform. A long time. Mm -hmm. And everyone went on vacation two weeks (laughs) ago. Everyone went to Malawi. Half, I, I think more than half our team was gone. Yeah, our staff was gone either on vacations or um, the Malawi know, trip or yeah, on trips tour overseas. with MSC. Yeah. yeah, and it was like me, Austin, Matt. Oh, welcome, Tess. The booth with the high pony. Okay, pony. <laughs> she got a ponytail. Tess, I had thought about doing my hair like that today, but I just decided against it. Tess, do we have some breaking news about your family that we can release on this podcast? Oh my gosh. You said you said the deadline was this bad already. I did. <laughs> they haven't announced it. I was like, girl, it looks like you gained some weight. Wait, wait some, a minute. I, some... thought, I thought the breaking news was that your husband, Eric Roy, has a back injury. <laughs> there you go. There you have like, it. Like, can't move. My girl looks normal from the GoPro up. From the camera up, she's fine, but she looks like Joanna Man in there with a basketball around her stomach. Aaron, I don't know if you're allowed to say that. And I think you're kind of breaking the... The breaking news. The, the dun, wall dun, of PC. Dun, dun, dun. So, Tess, uh, is, there, is there anything you'd like to share with us? Uh, no, thank you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, no one's listening. It's just us. <laughs> um, yes, Eric and I are pregnant with our second child. Is that why Eric's back hurts? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It could Little be. Roy Choi. <laughs> Aaron has been calling this child Baby Roy Choi. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Because he's a famous local Korean chef. And for those of you who don't know, Tess's husband is Korean. And Tess's husband yes. is Korean. Yes, otherwise it would be inappropriate. <laughs> it's probably still inappropriate. <laughs> but what did we nicknamed your first baby? What was your first baby's I, nickname? I honestly can't remember. I think it was like Baby Roy or something. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, remember. Tess. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you both. You seem to be holding up better than your husband. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take care of everybody around here. Eric got injured now. You're going to be a single mom, Tess. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but all right, going back to our subject. Focus. <laughs> and learning how to weed out distractions. Thank you for really, really... Um, <laughs> Modeling that. So distracted. <laughs> I was talking about how it was the first time I, I'd been on platform in a long time, but yes. on stage, been in front of people outside of this podcast. And it was really unique to me because, you know, you talk about rituals and things you do before a free throw, but, you know, I was running Venice and we had our mm-hmm. own campus and it definitely was like my world. Mm-hmm. I was able, we had, you know, we, we knew I liked it a certain way or I liked the approach or the mics or the, the volumes to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then you come to a different space. Like we've changed Hollywood so much at Mosaic. Mm-hmm. It's all white. It's completely different. Really a unique. Uh, all, all white in terms of the walls have been painted, not in terms of the, the people, people who attend. No. Yes, thank you. I. <laughs> Since what? you were mentioning. I was talking about people. <laughs> Just want clarity. No. <laughs> no. 
It, the building's all white. Mm-hmm. It used to be very like theater, like dark. And yes. With 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 um you know rows of chairs. Now it's got um yoga mats everywhere. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, now you know it's it's just like a different, a little yeah. bit more of like a loose structure. It's a very bright cool. looking space. Yeah. Rather than a dark. It's weird space. being able to see everyone. Yes. It's weird. I think everyone needs to do it like that. I, Not I, to be I oppressive. Actually, I, I love it. It's so it's much amazing. fun. You can it's tell so if you suck. Because you can see that person in like row 12 be like, this guy is an idiot. And did, it was, you, did you have fun? Did I have fun? It was, it, I had something. It was a unique experience. Did it feel meaningful? It felt interesting. All right, you're being a little bit elusive here. No, no, no. Okay. But but what I was talking about you're, is like you're, you're a little bit like Nutella. What, what the really rich, are, the, the ritual was Nutella butter or chocolate. That's I what just, I'm saying. That that's that's the way you're coming across like Nutella. Is it butter or chocolate? Really sure what you're that? saying here. I think Nutella's trash. I don't like it. You don't like it. You like it. You just. I like it in a crepe. In a crepe. Thank right? you, because Aaron just alienated all of our Aussie friends. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I thought we learned this lesson. We don't want more white people here. What? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? But uh, I don't like beetroot, which is nah. another Aussie. But beets especially. are. We argue about this. I'm going to go back to me being on platform in a minute because you're so but, focused. Because you're modeling what we're talking about. I love beets. You hate beets. I hate beets. I actually, I actually will make a decision on a restaurant, and I will always order the beet item on the menu. Because everyone says it's like it's chicken. How can that restaurant? How the restaurant does chicken determines how great that restaurant is. It's one of like mm. the marker dishes. I disagree. I think it's how if you can make beets something that's very unique in flavor and taste, taste good. You can you can cook. You can really cook. Mm. All right, all right. Little, little side test here. What I look for when I go to a Mexican restaurant is I see how good the salsa is. That's my measure of a Mexican restaurant. Yeah, the chips and the salsa. Yeah, if the chips are are you know deep fried properly they're not greasy they're crisp and if the salsa has the right kind of bite see i like it when they're a little raw and they are a little greasy like they have to have the crisp and they have to have the bite but you can tell when it's like raw yeah and they just come out and they're like a little oily still and you're like drip you know not you're Mm -hmm. dripping them off and you're like oh this is weird see in a chinese restaurant it's it's uh for me it's the um kung pao and uh uh, the Kung Pao is like my measure of uh, whether I like a Chinese restaurant. Which is funny because some people argue about Kung Pao being a traditional dish or not. Whether it's not. Yeah, but it is. True. It is actually a traditional yeah. dish. And, you know, and so it's like, yeah, if it's Indian for me, it's the uh, the chicken masala. Is, how's the, you yeah, know, but the, you're naming a bunch of chickens. What I'm saying is that the reality is that when you take something that's kind of nasty, like yeah. beetroot or beets, yeah. and you can make it good. That's well, when you know. But why put the work in to make something nasty taste every, good? <laughs> what you just said is that every culture has figured out how to make chicken awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, yeah, in every in every culture, there's like this one specialty that you, is kind of like the go-to and you go, okay, this is a really good restaurant. Yeah, they put chicken with different sauces. <laughs> okay, right, back to speaking. So I was speaking and I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't giving the message. I was just warming the room up. I was the, the opener, the pre-opener. And, okay. and it was great. It was unique. It was interesting. But I remembered I like I had lost a lot of my pre like pre-stage rituals. Mm. How I got myself locked in, how I would get myself focused, how I would get myself ready to go. And I remember really heavily relying on one of our production people going, what are the words people use in this thing? Because they just gave me like, you know, topic <laughs> like baptism this date. And I was like, I don't remember anything I used to say about baptism or anything I used to say about Bible studies or 
you know, I give your life to Jesus. This is what, this is what I would say. I had all of my locked in free throw shooting <laughs> moments. And then it was kind of the wild west up there. Which means you probably were better. I was fine. I mm-hmm. got, I got, I got the people going. Mm-hmm. I wasn't great, but I wasn't bad, which is a gift from God. Cause I used to be bad. So how, how much did the art of communication help you? Your, your art of communication? Well, Our of art of communication? <laughs> art of communication. I, I was telling you about this off camera. I was like, it, having gone through that course, having helped you kind of film it and be part of the, the backend process of watching it be refined um, or really just put together, you know, I, I think having that toolbox of communication really helped me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it until I was going up. I was like, oh, I actually utilized this. I actually utilized the different elements that you talk about with communication, mm-hmm. the fire, wind, water. The, 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 the trying to make it, you know, making sure something's spiritual, making sure there's a takeaway, making sure there's something that's an aha moment, making sure there's a moment of relatability, a moment of passion, a moment of connection. And I was kind of checking off these different tools that I had, that I had picked up in the art of communication. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then it's, it's, it's cool to see it in action because you can mm-hmm. use it. And I was talking on the phone the next day with a guy named Ryan Cook, who's up in Seattle and he works for a company that a couple of our friends work for, a big corporate company. And he was telling his supervisor, like, I want to take this course, but it's expensive. I think you should buy this for us. <laughs> and she's like, really? How? And he's like, well, this is actually someone I've learned from for the last like five years. Um, he's a phenomenal communicator, but they released a masterclass. I think this would be great supplemental, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, stuff for our company. And he called me. He was like, hey, can you send me a sheet? Because I want to show her. She wants to see it. I was like, yeah, of course. But it, he's like, I know that a part of me, they had complimented his abilities on a sales call. And he's like, I know for a fact I'm learning this stuff from Erwin McManus, like hmm. these communication styles, these different things. And I thought it was, it was really unique. It made me less afraid. Oh, that's good. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you uh, uh, mentioned that, I, I started thinking about how this week and I am um, leading a basically a one-year process for a company called Skyline. And I've, I've developed this mastermind for them. They've bring, they're bringing their top 30 executives and I'll be um, investing in them over the next year. Yeah. And one of the things I, I, I talked to with um, one of their top executives was, look, uh, what I want to begin with is, is this framework of what's more important, talent or team. Hmm. And, uh, and to kind of walk them through how um, you can be a great talent and actually hurt the team. Hmm. But great teams always elevate everyone's talent. And, and so if you can actually put team over talent, then talent will actually um, rise up at a level that it could not as an individual when you have a great team. And a, a great example of that for me would be um, like Kevin Durant. He, uh, he's talent over team. Hmm. And if he was team over talent, he would have stayed with the Warriors. Hmm. And he, his talent wasn't diminished with the Warriors. Hmm. It actually was elevated with the Warriors. Hmm. And when you look at the shift, you see Steph Curry, who is team over talent, who is one of the greatest talents that basketball has ever known, but he clearly puts team over talent. And then you watch players. Have you ever seen a player that looks so great? I think like Harrison Barnes. He looked great when he was the Warriors, and they leave for more money, and then they disappear. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I mean, Draymond Green is great, but I think his greatness is accentuated in the context of a great team with the Warriors. I don't know if he would emerge at the same level on another team. Who? 
Draymond Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, I'm still thinking about Harrison Barnes because like going through that year where he looked like a superstar. Yeah. And he got that max deal, I think, in, yep. in Dallas, right? And then he just felt, he just kind of dis- disappeared. disappeared. And that's where other teams make the mistake. They look at a talent. Yeah. And, and that talent exists because of the greatness of the team. Hmm. They extricate that talent out of the culture of the team. They put them in their culture that doesn't actually um, optimize talent, and that person becomes an average player, and they cannot figure out why. Hmm. And you see this over and over again, not just in basketball, in football, in any team sport, where uh, a person is on a great team, they uh, elevate as a talent, and then they use that success to leverage it to go somewhere else, and they never become great again. It's interesting, right? Like your focus is definitely your effectiveness is 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 in due in a massive way to your ability to focus. Yeah, you can increase your effectiveness when you are able to increase your focus. That my least moments of my moments of least effectiveness are when I'm so distracted. Mm-hmm. You know, and yet uh, distraction can be fun. Distraction can be entertaining. Distraction can be even. Um, even in, in you, you know, you talk about that in community in, in the article column of like how to be distracted. <laughs> you know, like you can be distracted and still communicate something effectively, but it's how can you remember where the path was going? You know, mm-hmm. we talk about how you were you you called me last or I called you last night and I I think I had just left your house and and we were talking about the, the Dave Chappelle show. Mm. And wait, what did we do last night? Last night, MSC performed at the Grammy Museum. Okay. And um, I, I was just, there. I was just so proud of them. I was to, proud of them. Yeah, and because you know, the Grammy Museum, w- whether whether you know it's everything you'd like for it to be as a venue, it's connected to an incredible history, the history of music, the yeah. greatest music of all time. You ended up interviewing them because both the interviewers got COVID. Uh, they did, and so I ended up interviewing them. And and right before the interview, uh, Mariah said to me, I, she she called me said hey can you do me a favor can you do us a favor so what's that she goes would you interview us and i said well of course and then when i got there she said now remember you're interviewing us not as a pastor and i said no no i told him not to introduce me as a pastor i'm not even your dad yeah and she goes no no you're always my dad (laughs) (laughs) and and i said all right i got it and a different occupation same relationship (laughs) and and the conversation was so much fun yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. I, like I really loved hearing. It's interesting being her brother, being around a lot of these moments. You yeah. know, visiting them on the different riding trips they've been on, or, or, or seeing and hearing the feedback. Uh, I still remember they were talking about one of the trips they they made down south to Mexico, and I got I was on the plane right behind Jake, and me and Jake <laughs> were texting on the plane, and he landed, and then a hurricane hit, and they sent my plane back. Wow. And he only beat me by like five minutes. Mm. I was I was the next plane in line. Wow. And we only know it because we were texting because we had Wi-Fi. And then they sent me three hours back up to, to LA. And I remember being so defeated because I was like during COVID and I wanted to get away. But hearing all the stories of behind the music and behind the 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 scenes and how they focus, how they get locked into rights, I thought it was really interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And just anytime you can have any insight to the creative process um, of an artist, it, it's so helpful. Mm. And even when you're talking about speaking on the platform you know it it it's a process uh, you know some people um they may be good at something almost like the first time they do it but for most of us we kind of have to work our way and earn our chops and figure out how it plays for us and 
And uh, and I actually think people who are better at imitating are good fast. And but they don't. But their ceiling is also very fast. And because imitating allows them to be good fast, but doesn't allow them to elevate to their own uniqueness. Hmm. I think a lot of times it takes people who are genuinely organic and natural. It takes them longer because they have to figure out how this plays out as them in their uniqueness. So I think it's worth the journey of awkwardness to get really good at something. Okay, so you told me to watch Dave Chappelle's most recent release on Netflix, and it was him going back to his high school, his like creative arts high school, and how they had given him, they wanted to name a building after him. They wanted to name the theater after him. They said it would would help them a lot to raise money for the school. Yeah. And he was like, okay, you know, I'll I'll do it. And then I guess when they announced that they were going to do it, all of these students like kind of unleash this backlash on him right. protesting uh, yeah that they should not name the building after him no and all yeah. of these things and so he gives this breakdown of his story of coming to this school and he says he's like he was pretty good right off the bat but he was a terrible actor and he was bad at certain aspects of things and he didn't really care but that when it came to comedy he was just good right away mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's just interesting to watch because uh, right after it, I went back and watched the Chappelle show. Like the mm-hmm. first, I, I was too young and I was definitely not allowed to watch that show. <laughs> and I am definitely not allowed to watch that show still. <laughs> that Have you seen it, Austin? No, no, I was definitely not allowed to watch it. I, I do not recommend for this podcast audience. It's wild. Mm. Like it's wild, wild. So to see a, a guy who, had, you know, as a young man mm-hmm. was pretty vulgar, pretty pretty racy, pretty intense. And this is back in the early 2000s. To then go to being so thoughtful, so philosophical, so politically and culturally um, inappropriate and yet like almost prophetic in a way that he sees the world uh, is really interesting because there was massive growth. If people held Dave Chappelle to the Dave Chappelle he was when he was a kid, yeah. I, you would never get this version of him. Yeah, the most controversial thing about Dave Chappelle is that he tells the truth yes. in a world that doesn't want the truth. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. And you could tell like the earlier shows, like that's controversial because he walked away from a lot of money when they were going to re-sign his contract. Mm-hmm. He walked away, I think, from $50 million because yeah. they wanted more control over his content and he said no. And I almost think it was good for the world. Mm-hmm. I, I'm almost like grateful that we didn't get that version of him for- It was good for art. 10 years. Yeah. Good for art and that he walked away. Yes. But I think it was also good for him. Yes, I don't know if that was the best version of him. Yeah. But now I'm looking at him going, I think we're getting the best version of him now. Yeah. This version that's just so insightful and so philosophical. And he's, a lot of it was just stage presence and how to have stage presence or even just how to refine his craft. But more than that, it was he gives this this challenge to these students who are protesting him. He's He says, come up with a better idea. Do it better than me. Yeah. The best idea wins. Make people forget about me by being greater than I was. Mm-hmm. And then he challenges them going, I think I'm once in a lifetime talent. Yeah. I think I'm once in a lifetime mind. I don't know if you can be greater than me, but instead of being outraged with me, be better than me. Yeah. And I thought that was such an interesting idea because I think we as just human beings are far more interested in being louder than the next person versus being more interesting than the next person. Yeah. 
right? So when it comes yeah, to like focus, I think we have lost so much focus in our own directions because we're so distracted by the controversy at hand, whatever it may be, the, Bi the Biden situation, the Trump situation, um, where is Kamala Harris? Yeah. You know, uh, all of these different things tend to distract us, whether it's a pastor falling from whatever to, you know, the, a politician to an actor, or we get caught up in the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think life has ever been wasted more than Johnny <laughs> Depp, Amber Heard. I never want to hear Amber Heard ever again. I never want to hear about Johnny Depp ever again. Yeah. yeah, you know, people ask me all the time, who are my favorite uh, communicators? Yeah. And, um, and I would have to say that Dave Chappelle is one of my favorite communicators. Mm -hmm. And um, and then there's this other guy I really enjoy named Jay Shetty. Okay. Because I think they both carry something different, but something similar. They they carry an authenticity. And I I actually feel that uh, like Dave Chappelle, he's not always structurally perfect. He's not always refined and eloquent in terms of everything falling exactly where it should. He allows himself to be imperfect. He allows himself to be raw. He, it's almost as if when you're listening to Dave Chappelle, you're listening to the, the talk before the talk. He doesn't worry about it being polished. He worries about it being true, insightful, honest, profound. And because I am a, a follower of Jesus and I fall into this Christian world, I find that to be immensely lacking among Christian communicators. Hmm. And if, if a person wants to know how to communicate in a more powerful um, way, watch Dave Chappelle and pay attention to how there are no layers of falsehood between him and his audience. We see right to him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, go. Go ahead. No. No, Austin did you dirty on vacation. You want to talk about that? When he posted that clip of you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so every year for the past several years, when we go on vacation, there is a crisis. Like I someone's mean, life's I mean, falling apart. Mosaic is just my, my it's you're, you're like my death star. And every time I go on vacation, you destroy my life, my universe. And Mosaic does or just the dummies inside of it? Yeah, the mosaic, the people who go to Mosaic, the people who are part of it, the people who are associated with it, they're just always some kind of crisis. Because that's real life. That's human life. We work yeah. with messy, broken people. Humans are messy. So this year, I, we can I, all be dummies. I, I basically said, do not ruin my vacation this year. You basically told no one to talk to anybody. <laughs> Do not send us a text, an email, a call, DM, nothing. Like, you know, pretend. Like, leave me alone. Yeah. I don't care if Thanos finally, uh, you know, destroys half the universe. As long as it's not affecting where I'm on vacation, don't yeah. bother me. And first day out, Austin posts a clip of me speaking. Well, first day out, someone dies. Oh, yeah, it's not, true. Not someone on our team. No, but our, someone connected, but connected to the work of... of uh, the global stuff. Of my wife, Cam, and someone yeah. dies of a heart attack suddenly our first day of vacation. Which, so I have to tell Cam But this. also, you told everybody to not contact anyone, and then they were contacting you. I explained to Elisa every night at a certain time, if there's a crisis, text me at that time. So the first day... <laughs> Boom, boom. Someone, <laughs> someone died. <laughs> and uh, uh, that was, it was pretty heavy. That was heavy. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I'm okay with that because a person 
has no control over when they die. Yeah, and, of course. You, and it you was know, heartbreaking. It, was, it just happens, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But then we had a crisis of of um, of our own creation. Austin, <laughs> Austin, who's in the booth right now? Austin I, in the booth, right? I have to come a little clean. I I helped you, him choose it. You posted it, <laughs> no? All right. And I'm just so I'm so glad that all of you are here uh, today on this podcast because today is Austin and Tess's last day. <laughs> Tess out. So basically, like we had had a little pow little powwow. You know, we're going away for a week, and I was like, "Hey guys, can you help me out?" Can you post to my dad's Instagram just a few clips while we're away so it keeps his Instagram going, whatever. And I know I'm controversial, but could you pick non-controversial clips? And Austin, pick, can we play that clip? Oh, please don't. <laughs> no, this is good. It's good because I think it, it comes out with a I'm lot of- I'm still getting DMs God, across the you world. You still get DMs about it? Oh, yes. But I'm Wait, actually getting on. DMs from people I like. I just recently released a masterclass called The Art of Communication. And I priced it at a really high price, not what it's worth, but a fairly high price, because I, I wanted to filter out the people who didn't really want to think. I, I, I only wanted to invest in the people who believed that the art of communication was the most important engagement of their mind. That they wanted to take their, their ideas, their thoughts, their values, their vision, and treat it not just as an art form, but as the highest responsibility of engagement with the world. And what struck me is almost no pastor signed up, almost all business people. And, and I, I was struck how that is, to me, such a reflection of the culture that we live in. And, and then I would get people ask me things like, well, isn't it just the Holy Spirit? And I know that's what we're supposed to say, but if you visit churches, the Holy Spirit is not doing well. Because most of us are actually living lives that are not spiritual, they're magical. We, we, we think that when we are spiritual people, that things are supposed to happen by magic because now we believe in Jesus. And the greatest communicators in the world are no longer people who believe in Jesus. And it's because we keep thinking that our greatness will come by magic. I'm going to love Jesus, and then it's just going to happen. Now, what really frustrates me is that I think that we're living beneath our God-given potential, our God-given capacity. That if we have the mind of Christ, we should have an extraordinary advantage on the rest of the world. And so no matter what's out there in the world of human genius, we, we have this other ingredient that we may not even fully understand. And that was the clip. Um, <laughs> with the caption, you know, selling the art of communication, talking about the art of communication. There's 174 comments on this thing. I stopped looking at the comments. I could, my soul just couldn't take it anymore. I might have responded to like 100 of them <laughs> out of just pettiness, like pure pettiness. And I am, I am the pettiness, man. I'm mad petty. <laughs> I will be petty on your on on your stupidity. But, but if you use too much energy dealing with all the negativity, you don't have enough energy for creating the positive. I agree. I agree, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes you 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 have to just remind people. Remind people that in 30 minutes I can I can own them real quick. No, what always strikes me as odd is when people start going 
you know, attacking your character, like your arrogance, or if you just had some humility. It, or It like, wasn't you know. the greatest clip of you. I'm going to be real. <laughs> and, uh, I loved the clip. Why did you like the clip? Right, Basically, you the clip it? was him speaking at Zoe conference, or not Zoe conference, a Zoe, Chad Veach hosted a leadership thing and to, with pastors, brought a couple hundred pastors in from around the country. And you spoke and you were like talking about how you were surprised the art of communication, that more pastors didn't buy the right. art of communication. So Tess, why did you pick the clip? I think that you are calling everybody that is on a platform out for thinking at a low level or using cheesy or easy language. Mm -hmm. um, but you're like, cut it out. You got to <laughs> think at a higher level. And I thought it, I thought it was a brilliant clip. I loved it. Well, thank you. And what what is interesting is, of course, whenever you take a clip, it's out of a, a larger context. Right. You know, and um but as I listen to it, I stand behind everything I said, <laughs> and I don't regret anything I said. Right. Um, I just think the responses are always uh, so interesting. One, it, it's odd that people love finding something you did wrong. People love it. It's just like people just are drawn to that. It's, it's a culture of just let's find a way to cut the person back down. Yeah. But um, – I'll go back and restate what I said, and I'll, it'll sound exactly the same way. I, I've been a pastor for 40 years. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I mean, for 20 of those years, our income was below the welfare standard. So uh, I'm not speaking down to pastors. But I do know this. Even when I didn't have hardly anything, I always found a way to pay for the things I needed. And frankly, I was surprised and disappointed that more pastors didn't buy the art of communication rather than more business people. And what's interesting is the assumption was, oh, the business people, they have money. No, it wasn't actually wealthy business people who were buying it. It was young entrepreneurs who had to sacrifice from their hard-earned money to buy the art of communication. The assumption for people who were attacking were pastors are poor, entrepreneurs are rich. Yeah. And I'm going, no, no, actually, it's the opposite. Yeah. These were young entrepreneurs who really didn't have the income, and they sacrificed because they believed in the value of the investment in their life. Yeah. I, th I thought it was interesting, though. It, yeah. it really is a mind a mindset. And I yeah. understand that there is a massive part of this, a massive part of this that is is reality. You either have the money or you don't. Yeah. But you also either have the vision and the hustle or you don't. And I think, you know, you, I have this, this VHS tape that's sitting in my house Yes. and you said you paid a thousand dollars for it. I did like 40 the, years ago. You were 25? No, uh, I was, it was like the eighties, right? I was right? 30 when I bought it. So it was, yes, yeah, so it was like mid eighties. Yeah. 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 30, 30, almost 30, 40 years ago, yeah. almost 34 years ago. That's yeah. crazy. And I have it and it costs you a thousand dollars. Yeah. And it's insane to me to think because you were making such little money. So it yeah. wasn't really you saying you guys are poor. You should spend so much money on this. It was saying, Hey, stop having a poor mindset and have a higher value for the, your skills and your ability. And outside of the art of communication, you need to value getting a hold of the things that will help you become the best you can. Right. And uh, so before I created the art of communication, I valued uh, the business of paradigms. I actually spent a thousand bucks on it. There's another one on leadership and new science. I spent a thousand bucks on it. I was young. Uh, 
Yeah. But I just found a way to do it. And I just, you know, I, I just cut out meals or cut out coffee and bought the, the stuff. And, yeah. and, and a part of the reason my life has gone the way it has is when I didn't have anything, I didn't use it as an excuse to not get what I needed to keep growing. Hmm. And so that really is what I'm saying. And I think pastors oftentimes have a poverty mindset, a very limited mindset, and they, uh, and also have a, a almost like a magical mindset of, uh, and a lot of people are like, no, the Holy Spirit gives you the, you know, the gifts. And and look, the, the truth is that. Well, that was a conversation. People kept bringing that up. Yeah. It's a, I don't want to deter you. Can you say what you're going to say? Yeah. The truth is that everything that God has placed inside of you demands discipline, hard work, and development. Yeah, and focus. Yeah, and focus. And and if you think it comes magically just because God just goes abacadabra and, and gives it to you, uh, you're not dealing with reality, and you're not even dealing with the truth of the scriptures. Hmm. And if you are ever going to become great at something, you have to take on the hard work. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I equate this to, and the reason, we've talked about this before, so if you're, you know, if you're like, oh my gosh, this is the same old stuff. No, because I think it's it's coming a new way. Austin ruined our vacation, and we want to remind <laughs> him about that. So we just want to make him feel great about it. No, I mean, at least it created conversation. I, I, shot, I shot the team a text. I was like, hey, you remember that little like conversation we all had about, you know, no controversy, no drama on this trip? Can we just pick nice, fl I know my dad doesn't have a ton of fluffy quotes, but can we have some fluffy quotes where he's just encouraging everybody, <laughs> making everybody feel good? And before we, he's roasting all the, it was also one of those clips where it's very con contextual. Yes. Because you do give a lot of love to the people in the room. Of course, I love them. You were just talking about this moment. You know, yeah. and, and I, we were watching this this show and I've watched, I listened to lots of like um, food podcasts. Yeah. I love food podcasts. I think chefs are so fascinating because they're, I think it's very similar to, to our world and that mm -hmm. it's fast paced. It's kind of cutthroat. It's, there's not a ton of like reward other than like, um, spiritual reward sure you know you, yeah. you see people's lives change it's amazing but then there isn't, isn't necessarily like an, a number to that money to that but uh i had called someone and said you gotta watch the bear it's like <laughs> what happened to us at hillsong new york <laughs> and 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 i because i was like because there was so much because there was it was all of it yeah. it was like it was the good it was the bad it was the ugly it was the annoying it was the psychological detriment and then it was like the reward yeah. You know, like there yeah. was some sick part of us that were like, this is awesome. <laughs> the, the the good stuff, you know, when yeah. you saw people's life change, when, when you really felt rewarded. Because I look back at that time going, and we have never, I haven't talked about this much on here, have referred to it, but like I look back at it with a lot of positivity. Mm -hmm. That the the hellish moments really helped me become a better person. Sometimes it may be a worse person, but I think it was up to me to decide how to, how to, um, translate my experiences mm. right and I, I was listening to one of the chefs of the show talks about how like one of the guys was asking her like have you eaten at all these amazing restaurants that you mm. learned about and she's like i was so broke when mm. i got out of college the chefing school that the first thing but the first thing i did was i booked a, a bus to new york and ate at these insane restaurants mm -hmm. and i I, the best meal I ever had was this one chef that yeah. was crazy and is working over her. And I was like, there's something about us. It's either hunger will drive us to the point where we have to taste the things we're dreaming of becoming. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. 
or we'll just dream about it forever saying we can never have it. Yeah, it, it, it's not that different than even all the young um, as, aspiring actors who come out here. And when they um, talk to me about their dreams and I go, uh, where, are you, where are you taking acting classes? And they go, I, I can't afford acting classes. And I tell them, well, then you can't afford being an actor because if you're not willing to pay the price to yeah. develop the skill, then you're never going to be great in this particular discipline. I mean, act, don't get me yeah. started on actors. Yeah. Cuz I'm like if you're not if you're not working a job saving money and shooting short films with every cent that you have, yeah. you're not really a director or a writer or an actor. I'm like, you know what? You want to act? Go make something. <laughs> it's like more now than ever that you have you have people who are blowing up on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube mm -hmm. and all these, and turning their real lives into this ability yeah. to become actors. Yeah. So I will say this as a summary to my clip. Um, I want pastors to be the greatest communicators in the world. Yeah. And I have made a life commitment to return preaching to an art form. And I've seen, whether right or wrong, good or bad, I've seen my role as a communicator as the role of an artist. I see words as my art form. I consider it the, the most noble and the highest discipline in the world. Yeah. And, and so I'm always gonna have that, that vantage point. And if I offend or insult you because you think, um, I think uh, because I charge too much or because it costs too much, you don't understand. You don't get it. You don't understand what we're trying, what I'm trying to do, because uh, I'm I'm not trying to teach you how to work at McDonald's and uh, wrap a hamburger that has already been essentially pre-made. I'm trying to teach you how to find the finest ingredients to create the greatest meal that the world has ever tasted. <sighs> it's so good. You got something in there? I was just gonna say yes, chef. Yes, chef. <laughs> Heard. <laughs> Heard, <laughs> chef. I have so many chefing I, I, things. I like I. Uh, there's a Bradley Cooper moment in that terrible movie that I love and adore called Burnt. <laughs> I love. That's like that's like a rewatchable for me every time it's on anything. I yeah, watch. For Burnt. too long, you wore Bradley Cooper. But it's, Burnt. It's, it's what everybody. <laughs> I resonate when he puts the plastic thing over his head. <laughs> oh my gosh. The the um. It's every chef that, that all the podcasts I listen to, they all say like, that's the worst freaking chef movie of all time. And it, yet I think it's the worst one because I think they resonate with it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But there's a moment where he like finds one of the, the chefs off the street and he's in like a cart and he's like doing like meats. <laughs> and he he's like, hey, uh, do you want to come work for me? He's like, I would do anything to come work for you. He goes, uh, would you come work for me for free? He's like, yeah, sure. I'd come work for you for free. He goes, would you, would you pay me to work for me? <laughs> yeah, I remember that scene. <laughs> uh, and yeah. he like has a moment. He's like, He's like, the one thing you lack is confidence, you know? Cause he's like, basically I could, I could have convinced you to pay me to work for me. But I was like, I would have, I, there's certain people in the world I would pay to work for. Yeah. If I could pay to be around that person, to learn from that person, even for a little bit, as long as I could afford it, I would do it. Yeah. Even when I couldn't afford it, I'm like, there's, there are things in life worth risking everything for mm -hmm. and experience is one of them. And having that story and that experience and that understanding is is part of that risk that we all have to take. Mm -hmm. And so I like sometimes I wonder when we lack focus, do we also lack that ability to take the risks? Yeah. Because when we lose our focus, we lose that we get really afraid. I think you know we we when mm -hmm. we when we take our eyes off of the goal, we start seeing all of the reasons why we can't do it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and there's something yeah. crazy about us when we are focused. We believe we can do it. Yeah. You know, we we think we can change the world and 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 or rule the world or influence the world. And when we kind of wake up to what's actually going on around us, I think we start having all this disbelief. It's that walking on water moment, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a pyramid of acceptance. And the the more you uh, acquiesce the status quo, the more people will like you. The more you elevate, the fewer people will like you. If you ever actualize to achieve your highest capacity, you'll have very few people who like you. A lot of people will admire you. A lot of people may actually follow you, but very, very few people will like you. Greatness reduces your likability in terms of um, the natural accessibility. Mm. Uh, Because whenever you work hard enough to do something great, you become an indictment to everyone who settles for less. Mm. And so you have to, in some sense, make a decision in your life, whether you're going to be pulled by the gravitational force of acceptance or elevate to the gravitational capacity of uniqueness. Are you willing to make people uncomfortable? Yeah. Are you willing to lose friends to become the highest version of yourself? Mm. Okay. We just did 43 minutes. I feel good. You feel good? I feel focused. (laughs) You feel focused in there in the booth? What do you think, Tess? Feeling focused. Can we get? Can we keep the breaking news moment? Of course. This won't release till next Friday, so you have one week to release. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you are pregnant now. Mm-hmm. Mariah, a month ago, Mariah, debatable. Yeah. Now you're pregnant. Yeah. Mariah said to me, "Oh no, you're 20 weeks, and people are going to find out you're finally pregnant." <laughs> hey, let me attach this. One of the unique things about Mosaic is that most of the time, churches are entry points. There are therapeutic communities that deal with people at the lowest level of their journey, which is usually survival. And Mosaic communicates at a frequency that calls people to their highest self. And so it is a challenge when a person comes in and they just want a therapeutic environment and rather than a leadership environment. And I, I made a decision a long time ago that Uh, Mosaic was always going to communicate and call people to the highest version of themselves. And even this thing we call the gospel, you know, the the message of Jesus that where Jesus offers us life, uh, the way it's communicated in modern Christianity has normally been um, give your life to Jesus so you can have the forgiveness of your sins. Hmm. And the way we communicate Jesus is give your life to Jesus so that you can become the full version of who you're created to become. Well, it's a very different narrative. It's and it's a very different frequency. And even journalists who have come here to do stories of churches and movements, uh, journalists who were atheists or agnostics, noted the radical difference. They said, this is not a seeker friendly place. (laughs) And in that sense, I said, no, um, we're not sensitive to everyone. We're insensitive in a sense to everyone. We're trying to violate everyone's um, acceptance of mediocrity and of the status quo. And you cannot break people out of the gravitational pull of normal or average or mediocrity without shaking them up and calling them something great. That's incredible. 
Okay, I have a couple of announcements. Is that good? Go for it. Tessie, can you tell us when our Mosaic One Day conference is this fall? We've talked about this secret project we're doing in October. We've postponed that one year, but mm -hmm. we decided to replace that with a little like tour that we're going to do in different cities. But we're also going to have a one day conference, which is like a worship night on Friday night, and then like a full one day conference that kind of gives you like a behind the scenes look into like how we do leadership, how we do life, um, yes. how we think. When is that? October 7th and 8th. October 7th and 8th this year. And then next year we're going to do Origins. But alongside October 7th and 8th, it's not the same thing, but it's kind of connected in that we're going to be doing events in Austin, New York City. I think we are doing Seattle. And then we are doing one more, but Atlanta. I forgot Atlanta. No, no, no. It was New no. York, Austin, Seattle, and Atlanta? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I'm we excited. may add some other cities yeah. uh, based on um, requests. Yeah. And But we're excited to do a tour across the country. Amazing. I'm excited. I, I am too. I, I, this What's the tour going to look like? It'll probably be like maybe an opener with Battle Ready? Oh, that sounds like um, a must. And then what? You a little worship and then you speak? Yeah. Or no worship? Uh, we might do some worship. Like yeah. Bring some of the guys. Yeah. yeah. We're open to make that happen. Cool. And uh, in most of the cities. And then Amazing. I'm going to talk about, I don't know, the folding of the universe. <laughs> You're going to go like fringe stuff, aren't you? I might. You know, I'm going to have conversations that you maybe you have. can't normally have. Okay. Yeah. See you on the road. All right. Here we go. All right. Bye. Bye.